Life, Hope, and Truth presents The World to Come, What It Will Be Like Written and presented by Eric Jones Produced by The Church of God, a worldwide association Chapter 5 How the Ten Commandments Will Transform All Mankind Scores of prophecies describe the peace, beauty, safety, and happiness the world will experience during the millennium. As described earlier, Christ and his saints will build a completely new world culture, one that will first be instituted within the restored nation of Israel. Israel will learn to model that culture and its blessings, and from there it will spread throughout the world. But what will create this transformation? What will underlie the world's becoming a peaceful utopia? The simple answer, perfect government and perfect law. All nations around the globe will learn God's law and begin to be transformed by it. That doesn't mean all people will immediately become perfect simply because they will live under perfect government and perfect law. Humans will still have their imperfect nature, will still sin, and will still need to repent. It will take time for people to internalize those laws and learn to obey them in the spirit and the letter. But as they do, their lives, and society as a whole, will be changed in incredible ways. In this chapter, we'll focus on how obeying each of God's Ten Commandments will impact people's lives and transform the world. More Than a Legal Code God didn't institute the Ten Commandments to just be a legal code. He designed them to define a way of life that can be summarized in one word, love. God's word clearly states that love is the fulfillment of the law, Romans 13 verse 10. That means love is the intent and purpose of the law. The first four commandments teach us how to love God, the last six, how to love people. God's laws are spiritual, meaning they are designed to spiritually transform anyone who obeys them. You can learn that in Romans 7, verse 14. Consider how the principle of love, if applied, would completely transform our world today. Paul described love this way in Romans 13, verse 10. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Instead of doing harm, love shows genuine outgoing concern for others' well-being. If society was based on this principle, and if it became the socially accepted norm, Virtually all suffering could be eradicated. The problem is, most people today aren't driven by God's law of love. In fact, we have an inherent hostility to it, according to Romans 8 verse 7. But that will begin to change under Christ's rule. God's law will be taught to the world. After Christ returns and establishes his government, he will begin transforming humans by teaching the principles that truly cause righteousness the Ten Commandments. First, Israel will learn how to live by God's law. Then eventually the entire world will learn. Isaiah 2 verse 3, For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Notice how it will occur. Isaiah 2 verses 2 through 3, Now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains, and shall be exalted above the hills, and all nations shall flow to it. 
Many people shall come and say, Come, and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways, and we shall walk in his paths. Zechariah 8 verse 22 adds, Yes, many people and strong nations shall come to seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem and to pray before the Lord. Jesus Christ and the glorified children of God will lead this totally new global education system rooted in the laws of God. Isaiah 30 verses 20 through 21. Yet your teachers will not be moved into a corner anymore, but your eyes shall see your teachers. Your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, This is the way, walk in it, whenever you turn to the right hand or whenever you turn to the left. But how will these ten laws change the world? Let's examine God's ten commandments to see how each will contribute to this transformation. The first commandment, You shall have no other gods before me. The first commandment teaches that God alone is to be worshipped with nothing elevated above him or put beside him as equal. As the people learn about the true God, they will abandon their false gods and beliefs and come to properly worship him alone. All the world's religious deities will be exposed for what they are, miserable man-made inventions. But it's hard to unlearn falsehoods. It will take time to reject what one once believed. Of course, the fact that Christ will be present should speed the process. People will come to see that, as God said through Isaiah in Isaiah 45 verse 5, I am the Lord, and there is no other. There is no God besides me. And then, in verse 23, Every knee shall bow to God. King David also prophesied of this time in Psalm 22, verse 27. All the ends of the world shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship before you. Zephaniah described the worldwide worship of God in Zephaniah 2, verse 11. The Lord will be awesome to them. People shall worship him, each one from his place, indeed all the shores of the nations. Another amazing prophecy found in Isaiah 19 verses 23 through 25, describes Israel's former enemies, Assyria and Egypt, uniting with Israel in worshiping the true God. Applying this commandment will be a major contribution to the establishment of world peace. Our history is filled with violence between competing religions, Sunni versus Shia, Protestants versus Catholics, Catholics versus Muslims, Hindus versus Muslims, and the list could go on and on. But under God, religion will divide no one, because all will worship the same God and practice the same faith. Imagine a world where all people are united in worship, where former enemies become brethren. Religious tensions will gradually fade as people who previously hated one another because of their faiths abandon those old beliefs, and unite in worshiping the true God. The second commandment, you shall not make for yourself a carved image. The second commandment teaches us not to use physical objects to worship God. Visiting temples, cathedrals, churches, and shrines today quickly shows how so many religions flagrantly break this commandment. This includes using statues, icons, and pictures attempting to portray God the Father or Jesus Christ. In Zechariah 13 verse 2, 
the prophet Zechariah revealed that Christ will deal with idolatry. It shall be in that day, says the Lord of hosts, that I will cut off the names of the idols from the land, and they shall no longer be remembered. I will also cause the prophets and the unclean spirit to depart from the land. Prophets in that context refers to false prophets. In Zephaniah 2 verse 11, we read that the awesome power and presence of Jesus Christ will reduce to nothing all the gods of the earth. Christ will immediately begin in Israel by removing the end-time beast and false prophet and the idolatrous abominations they set up in Jerusalem. The Israelites brought back from their scattered places will also abandon their idolatrous ways, according to Hosea 14 verse 8. People will finally be taught the futility and foolishness of idolatry. Isaiah 2 verses 17 through 18. The loftiness of man shall be bowed down, and the haughtiness of men shall be brought low. The Lord alone will be exalted in that day, but the idols he shall utterly abolish. Why does God abhor people venerating images and statues to supposedly worship him? Because they actually redirect our focus off of him and onto man-made images that falsely portray him. Any attempt to portray God through a man-made object diminishes his greatness. In the millennium, such phony substitutions will be swept away, and misleading concepts of God or gods or saints will not be taught. Not only does the second commandment apply to graven images, but also to other idols we can place ahead of God. Things like money, possession, fame, power, status, sex, addictions, the self, and many other things. Eventually, people will worship the true God exactly as he commanded, in spirit and truth. John 4 verse 24. All will be taught the futility of all forms of false religion and anything else that turns their focus away from the true God. According to Psalm 46 verse 10, only he will be exalted in the earth. Imagine a world with no idols or images of false gods, where all people are taught to place nothing between them and the true God and to exalt God as supreme. The third commandment, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. The third commandment teaches us not to misuse God's name. Today we constantly hear God's name, and therefore God himself, disrespected, insulted, and abused in expletives and euphemisms, or by people calling themselves by his name, but living in ways that dishonor him. The spiritual intent of this law isn't just to show what not to say, but to teach that we are to praise God by using his name respectfully and reverently. In Matthew 6 verse 9, Jesus taught us to hallow God's name in prayer. To hallow is to treat as holy or to venerate. In Isaiah 12 verse 4, Isaiah prophesied how eventually people will come to use their words to praise and honor God's name. And in that day you will say, Praise the Lord, call upon his name, declare his deeds among the peoples, make mention that his name is exalted. According to Zechariah 13 verse 9, people will call on God's name and he will answer them. God's name alone will be exalted, according to Psalm 148, verse 13. The prophet Zephaniah also recorded a thought-provoking prophecy about God's plan for speech in the millennium. Zephaniah 3, verse 9. For then I will restore to the peoples a pure language. 
that they all may call on the name of the Lord to serve him with one accord. Since the earliest civilizations, human beings have weaponized language for destructive purposes. In Genesis 11, we read the Tower of Babel account when the whole earth had one language and one speech. But their linguistic unity allowed them to unite in defiance against God. In order to stop this, God confused their languages and scattered the people throughout the world. Apart from God, humans used linguistic unity for accelerating evil and destruction. But under Christ, humanity will use linguistic unity for achieving incredibly positive things. Now, Zephaniah's prophecy isn't clear whether one language will replace all others or be spoken in addition to people's native languages. But what is clear is that this language will be pure and will assist people in calling on God's name. Consider the kind of words that would be missing from a pure, godly language. One would hear nothing vulgar or rooted in ancient pagan worship. Names associated with old false gods will fade from use as new generations will be born and grow up never hearing or speaking of them, according to Hosea 2 verse 17. Instead, language will facilitate positive, pure, and uplifting speech. Imagine a world where people turn to God and learn to use their words to praise and exalt Him, to build up others, and to speak truth and kindness. Imagine people from all around the world praying and singing hymns of praise to God in a pure language. The Fourth Commandment Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. The Fourth Commandment teaches us to remember, honor, and keep holy the Sabbath, established and blessed at creation on the seventh day in Genesis 2, verses 2 through 3. God specifically tells us to remember it, Yet, ironically, it seems to be the most forgotten and neglected of all of God's commandments. But the Sabbath won't be neglected in the millennium. In Isaiah 66, verse 23, Isaiah prophesied, From one Sabbath to another, all flesh shall come to worship before me, says the Lord. Under Christ's rule, the whole world will enjoy the benefits and blessings of Sabbath-keeping. First, the restored nation of Israel will have to relearn what they abandoned, how to keep God's Sabbath properly. The restored Levitical priests will diligently teach this, according to Ezekiel 44, verses 2 through 24. But with other matters of godly obedience, when Israel begins to observe the Sabbath and reap its benefits, other nations will see and follow its example. In time, people around the world will assemble every Sabbath to worship and learn from God's Word. Is it possible that resurrected individuals from Bible times will visit different areas and speak on the Sabbath? Imagine Abraham, Joseph, Jeremiah, and others speaking at different locations, telling of their lives and lessons to be learned from their experiences. Imagine hearing a sermon on the Sabbath about the exodus from Egypt and the parting of the Red Sea delivered by Moses himself. No one knows exactly how this will work, but imagining the possibilities is exhilarating. Prophecies also speak of people observing other special days, God's annual Sabbaths and festivals listed in Leviticus chapter 23. Zechariah shows that they too will be restored to importance in the millennium. Zechariah 14 verse 16 reads, And it shall come to pass that everyone who is left of all the nations which came up against Jerusalem shall go up from year to year to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. 
The Feast of Tabernacles is one of the feasts of the Lord found in Leviticus chapter 23. It's found specifically in verses 33 through 41. It lasts for seven days and is a time of great rejoicing. Under Christ's rule, the entire world will eventually celebrate and observe the Feast of Tabernacles together. Yes, some nations will initially resist celebrating these days, according to Zechariah 14, but eventually all will come to rejoice together in the feast. And not just the Feast of Tabernacles, but all of God's annual festivals. These are not just Jewish feasts, they are God's. In Leviticus 23 and Exodus 31, he calls them my feasts, the feasts of the Lord, my Sabbaths. It's also fascinating to contemplate the logistics of millions or billions of people assembling together to celebrate God's feasts. We know nations will send representatives to Jerusalem on these feasts, but logic says they will need local gatherings as well. The joyful brotherhood the entire world will experience by unitedly worshiping God every year on these special feasts will be incredible to witness. Imagine everyone on earth stopping work every week and gathering peacefully with family for a day of rest, then assembling with others to worship God on His Sabbath. And the same thing will occur on an even larger scale on God's annual festivals when His plan of salvation will be celebrated. Thanks for listening. For the next chapter of this booklet, continue with episode six of The World to Come, What It Will Be Like.